We're in a series studying the book of uh, Daniel, and this is probably one of my favorite stories in all the Bible because it's it's probably the story that everyone remembers, and especially as a kid, this is the one story that you remember in Daniel chapter 6 where, where Daniel is placed in the lion's den. How many know the story? Daniel in the lion's den, right? We, we know that story. And what I want to do is I, I want to... What's interesting about this story... As we're, as we're talking about how do we live in our culture today that seems so anti-God. And, and here we have Daniel, who at a, at a young age gets taken from his homeland in Israel and is, and is exiled to the country of Babylon about 600 years before Christ. And um, Babylon is the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And King Nebuchadnezzar is the king at this time. And, and Daniel is, is taken there and is immersed in this culture. His name is changed. He, uh, he, he, he's shown favor by God. And, and so Daniel rises up in prominence within that godless culture. And, and what he does is, what's amazing about Daniel is I know for many of you, when you study the book of Daniel, it's an incredible book of prophecy, of biblical prophecy that if you especially look at Daniel chapter 9, kind of outlines for us to the end of time. It's an incredible, credible book. And I know we kind of get, uh, we kind of uh, automatically go to the prophecies of Daniel, which are important to study. But as we've been studying the book of Daniel, as we, we haven't really concentrated on the prophecies as much as how Daniel lived within that culture. I think sometimes we overlook the obvious to look for the cryptic or the or the, the numbers and, 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 and the prophecy, which is very interesting. But I didn't want us to miss how Daniel lived before his God in this culture. And I think for us living today in our world, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the example that we see in Daniel is vital for us in the culture that we're living in our world today. And so I, I believe we can we can extract so many good things out of the book of Daniel, and I believe uh, this story of Daniel is, is no different, that what we can learn from him. And one of the things that we've been learning about Daniel specifically is this. Here's, here's the, one of the key thoughts that we've been looking at. First of all, um, in your notes, we put in the blanks for you this week. You're welcome. Okay? So it's not going to happen every week. Some of you are like, cool, I don't even have to fill in the blanks. So you're welcome, but don't expect that next week. Um, but but here's here's a key principle that I want you to see that we've been looking at is is Daniel understood something very clear. Uh, he understood that Daniel insulated his life without isolating himself from the culture, and that's very important. What we see in Daniel's life is that he insulated himself. He knew who he was in the Lord. He didn't compromise his walk with God. But but on the other hand, he didn't isolate himself from the culture either. And, and what Daniel did is as he was brought into this culture, you would think that Daniel would have, have kind of relinquished to kind of maybe move back and, and maybe turn his back on God or, or, or would be angry with God. God, why did you do this? I didn't do anything wrong. You're, you're judging your people. Uh, and through God's judgment, he exiles his people to Babylon. And, 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 and Daniel was part of, of that, even though it wasn't his fault that he was living a good life before the Lord. He was paying for the sins of others. And he could have been very angry and bitter over this. But what Daniel understood, and I think we need to understand this today, is Daniel understood the plan of God. 
And because he understood the plan of God, it allowed him to live within his culture. Not only live within that culture, but thrive within that culture. And at the end of the day, we have to understand as followers of Jesus Christ, God is ultimately sovereign over everything that happens. God is ultimately in control. And so when we realize that, we understand, God, you have a plan. I don't have to be hopeless um, I don't have to be discouraged by what, may, by what we may see going on around us, but I can say, God, I know that you're up to something, and I want to live within your plan. I want to be on the same page as you, God, and I don't want to allow the things that happen around me to sidetrack me from ultimately what you want to do. And here's the thing. God has placed us, God has given us a plan that, that, that people would know who Jesus Christ is. And God placed Daniel within that culture so that these kings and kingdoms would know who God is. That the God of Daniel is, is, is the only God, the only true God, the most powerful God. And so what we're going to see in this, in this uh, uh, section of Daniel, as we jump into Daniel chapter 6, is Daniel's old now. He, he's, a, he's a senior saint. And uh, he's been living in Babylon and serving um, uh, Babylon for now some 70 years. And what happens is is Babylon gets taken over from the Medo-Persian Empire. And now Daniel is serving under a whole different regime, under all different leadership. And now God is going to use Daniel... Under that leadership, and this is where Daniel comes face to face with the king of this nation. And now Daniel, because his convictions as God, his convictions in the Lord are going to come face to face with that of this godless society. And Daniel refuses to bow. Daniel refuses to go against his convictions. And here's the thing I want you to see. And here's what we're going to try to pull out of this scripture today is how did Daniel do this and give all the glory to God and still find God's favor through all of this? So I, I, want us to, I want us to look at this scripture here and I want us to understand how Daniel did this well. Um, I believe that's why we need to have an understanding of the gospel message, not just understand it, but how, we, how do we live out this gospel message in a world that seems to be hostile towards it? Daniel lived out his faith with humility in a culture that wasn't tolerant towards his God. Sounds a lot like where we're living today, amen? And so here's the thing. Just We're going to turn to Daniel chapter 6 and look at the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But I just want you to understand something here. You will never know the depths of your faith until it is tested. You'll never know the depth of what you really believe until it is tested. And what happens here for Daniel is his faith is truly tested as he gets thrown into this lion's den. And so you'll never know the depths of your faith until it's tested. And, and, and we live in a world now where our faith is being tested. So how do we, as followers of Christ, respond uh, to this testing? So I want to look at Daniel chapter 6. We're going to be looking specifically at verses 10 through 23. We're going to be looking at the whole chapter, but specifically Daniel uh, Chapter 6, verses 10 through 23. And um, so let, let me just 
let me just tell you what happens here as we jump into verse 10. This decree is given that no one is to pray to any other person or God except for this King Darius. And so uh, Daniel learns of this decree, and, and we're going to jump into verse 10. And so it's kind of a trick to Daniel. There are those that don't like Daniel, and, and they want to trick Daniel. They want Daniel killed because they're very jealous of him. And so jump into verse 10. We'll look at the other, the, those previous verses in just a minute, but I want to concentrate on verse 10 through 23. It says, Now when Daniel learned that de- de- the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. If I, if I were to have titled this message, I probably would have titled it this, just as he has done before. That will make sense in just a minute. Verse 11. Then these men went as a group and they found Daniel praying and, asked, and asking God for help. And so they went to the king and spoke to him about the royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, these decrees stand in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So now the king speaks this. And then they say this. To the king in verse 13, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king. Now, total lie. Okay, total lie. Or the decree that you are writing. He still prays three times a day. And when the, current, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. And he was determined to rescue Daniel and, and made every effort until sundown to save him. Obviously, Daniel had a good relationship with this king because he served this king. Verse 15, then the man went, then the men went as a group and the king said to him, remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king passes can be changed. So they're reminding him, you can't, you can't change this now. Once it's been put in order, you can't change it. So the king gave order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. He's like, boy, Daniel, I hope your God comes through for you. I hope this God that you serve will come through for you. And then a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the rings of the nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. With this, with this signature of his signet ring, Daniel's fate is now sealed. It cannot be changed. And so that Daniel's situation might not be changed, then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried down to the lion's den, and when he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. He's not mad at the king. Makes no sense. May, may God send his angels and he shut the mouth of the lions and they have not hurt me. They have not hurt me. 
because I was found innocent in the sight, nor have I or, or have done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Lord, I just pray today that you would open up our hearts to hear from your word and and to see how Daniel walked before you in the midst of ungodliness. God, help us here today to know that you are faithful, that you are for us, that you're not against us, that nothing can thwart your plans. Help us to trust that today as you speak to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. So what's going on here? Well, Daniel is now serving this new king, Darius of the the Medes and and the Persians, and basically this empire, and basically one night took over um, Babylon. Very interesting story on how they took over this great nation of Babylon, basically in one night. Very incredible story. Do some research on it. It really is very interesting. And Daniel was one of, uh, uh, of, of three men who basically oversaw the affairs of the kingdom at this point. Darius liked Daniel so much that he was going to set him over the affairs of all the kingdom. And that's how much favor Daniel found underneath this new king. Now, this didn't set well with the other leaders. They were very jealous of him. And there was this plot to basically remove Daniel. And he was set up and his, and his faith would be tested like it had never been tested before. And so what they tried to do is they, they tried to dig up some dirt on Daniel and they, they just couldn't find anything. They, they couldn't find anything to pin on Daniel because he lived innocently before his God and before the king and served him humbly with all his heart. And so what they did is they said, we've got to find a way to put Daniel into a corner. And in verse 5 of that chapter, it says this. Then the men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. But these guys were were crude. They were ruthless. And so what they said is the only way we're going to get him is we know how faithful he is to the Lord. And the only way that we can get him. Is something to do with the law of his God. And they saw something in Daniel's life. Even the king saw something in Daniel's life. What they saw in Daniel's life was his, his consistency to live before the Lord. They knew Daniel prayed. This king, King Darius, understood that, that, that Daniel served his God. So he was, he was living out his faith in the Lord before this king. It wasn't hidden. It wasn't hidden from this man, and it wasn't hidden from this king. But yet, yet Daniel still found favor by this king, by the way he lived his life before them. Now, isn't this interesting? They knew that Daniel was a faithful follower of God, and still Daniel was promoted. He didn't hide his faith, yet at the same time, he wasn't obnoxious about it either. I think there's something very key that we can learn right now, people. Let's be careful about the way we live our faith out before others. If we are not walking in humility before the Lord, the world can look at our faith and look at it as obnoxious. Yes, amen. (laughs) See that? 
That, that was totally by accident, by the way. But it was the Lord, see? <laughs> Here's the thing. So what do they do? Well, they conspire together and they say, how, how can we get him to break God's law? So what the leaders did is they, they buttered up Darius and, and, and they played to his ego and his pride. And so, so they came up with this law that no one for the next 30 days was allowed to petition or pray to any God or man except for, for Darius, or they would be thrown into the lion's den and devoured by lions. Sounds like fun, right? So, so they said, this is how we're going to get him because, because we know they knew one thing. This is what they knew. This is how powerfully Daniel lived his faith out before men. They knew that he wouldn't stop praying. They knew that. So they said, this is how we're going to get him because we know he prays three times a day. We know that he's not going to stop praying. We know that he's a man of integrity. And so this is how we're going to get him. And so we're going to trap Darius and we're going to have him fall into his own pride that he can't change this law. And this is how we're going to get Daniel. And so this law was made to look like it would actually unite the kingdom. And it seemed like a very savvy political move for Darius. And so he bit and he fell into it. And, and so they made this law so airtight that even if Darius would, would want to recant, he would have lost face and he wouldn't do that. And so he couldn't even go against it, even though he knew that it meant the death of Daniel, who he, who he obviously admired and loved. And so after Daniel knew the document was signed, he went into his room privately to pray. And these men knew he prayed as he would always do. And what they did is they caught him praying. And so what, what happened here? They trapped him. And what's amazing to me about this story is the moment he heard the decree, Daniel did the very same thing that he had always done. He prayed. He prayed. He, 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 it's amazing to me that this didn't divert him from his faith in God or cause him to become anxious. See, there's something that amazes me about this story more than Daniel being saved in the lion's den, which that's what we focus on. We're like, man, Daniel didn't get devoured by the lions. Isn't that amazing? And I think we can fall into the trap of, of seeing that, which is an incredible thing. But what's incredible to me is what happened before the lion's den and Daniel's attitude and his dependency on the Lord. Because I believe God saving Daniel from the lion's den is nothing for God. And I think this is where we can miss the meaning of the story. See, I want us to look at verse 10 again, because Daniel knew his destiny. He knew he was about to go down. He knew there was no way to avoid this. And what does Daniel do? He does what he always does. And he prays. He does what he always does. Look, look, at, look at his attitude and his posture. He didn't panic. He didn't try to expose the other leaders. He didn't try to defend himself. He simply goes to God and prays like he always did before. Do you see the consistency 
in Daniel's life. Here's what, here's, here's what causes my heart to be fearful for us as followers of Jesus Christ. If we're not consistently living out our life before the Lord, when something comes to test our faith, it will reveal our hearts for what we really trust in. Do we panic? Do we run about? Do we say, what's going to happen? What's going to go on? Guess what? Daniel did what he always did. He said, God, I'm going to trust you. No matter what the outcome may be, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to pray. Nothing changed in Daniel's life. What does that show about the depth and character of Daniel? It shows me that no circumstance could rock his faith in his God. That he understood that the circumstances are up to God and he's in control of all those things. He didn't fear. He didn't, he didn't panic. He, he, he didn't run around. What, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He, 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 he went to God and he simply prayed as he always did. Daniel had this quiet confidence that he knew God was in control. So, so why didn't Daniel panic? Um, why, didn't, why did Daniel have a peace of mind? I believe it was for this reason. His faith was firmly established in his relationship with God. And so what's so ironic here is the one who was worried and the one who couldn't sleep was the one who had no peace of mind was the king. Supposedly he was the one that was totally in control of the whole situation, yet he's the one that couldn't sleep. He's the one that was fearful. He's the one that had no provisions brought to him. He was the one that was anxious, not Daniel. And so in verse 16, King Darius said to Daniel, may the God that you continually serve deliver you. And this says a lot to me. Because Darius witnessed the faithfulness of Daniel to his Lord. Darius got no sleep. Darius got no provisions brought to him. Yet Daniel had a better night's sleep in the lion's den than Darius did in the luxurious palace. Go figure. Can I just say this? I don't care who's president. I don't care what's in your bank account. I don't care how uh, much you think you're in control of your life. It will never bring you ultimate peace. Never. Watch out for a false sense of security in these things. Guard. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. Guard your heart against these false sense of security. See, Daniel was in this highest position. He thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in this highest position. He could have thought, I'm set, right? And all of a sudden, this, this twist began to happen in his life, and these men came against him. And if he would have put his security in his position, we would have seen the anxiety in Daniel's heart. But his security wasn't in his position. His security was in his faith in God. Oh, I've got, I, I want to say so much, but I've I just got to guard my mouth. Careful, Pastor Barton. 
I believe more than ever, we've got to walk humbly before our God. I prayed, God, let me be good this morning. Let me be good this morning. Guard my heart, God, okay? So what did this reveal about Daniel's heart? What did this reveal about Daniel? Well, the the thing we can see is that he had this genuine faith. And the testing of your faith will reveal what you truly believe. And And what's funny about this whole incident is what's not said. Um, Daniel is not bitter. Daniel doesn't blast the king or call him a coward. He doesn't curse at the other officials. All these things he could have done and had every right to do, but he didn't. And when the king comes after his sleepless night, he says, did your God save you? And what is Daniel's response? Hey, coward, in your face. My God delivers me, drops the mic and walks away. Is that what Daniel does? No. What? Daniel says, my God and my king saves me. My God saved me. The, the, God shut the mouth. He brought an angel, shut the, the, the mouth of, of the lions. And, and he looks at the king and he doesn't have any animosity against the king. Boy, that shows the heart of Daniel. Daniel doesn't gloat over God's deliverance. It shows his heart that he's not bittered at the king or bittered at these other uh, people who trapped him. He said, my God is my deliverer. My faith is in my God. That's what gave him a peace. That's what gave him a humility. He didn't have to retaliate against those who retaliated against him because he ultimately knew that those that retaliated against him were ultimately retaliating against the God of the universe. God, you take care of it. That was a good place for an amen, by the way, but that's okay. Don't, don't say no, it's no good now. Just save it for later, okay? Save it for later. So, so here's what happens. So, so, so what, what Daniel, his response is this. His response to this, he says to the king, may the king live forever. You, you put me in the lion's den to be devoured by lions. And you, you think Daniel's first response wouldn't be real pretty. But what does Daniel say? May the king live forever. Grace, 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 grace. Grace, 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 grace. Do I need to say it again? Grace. You see, you see his heart? Daniel's heart was full of grace. See, most scholars would believe that this was a pre-incarnate uh, figure of Christ or a Christophanes or Theophanes that, that would be this appearance of God in human form. God was right there with him. In the den of the lions. God did not desert him. Now, if you think these lions weren't hungry, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I don't know, pastor. Maybe they, maybe, maybe, you know, King Darius, before, you know, he went in there, he threw in a bunch of gazelles or whatever to, you know, to, to, to make them really, you know, not be hungry. So come on, I don't know if this is really, uh, you know, really an act of God or not. They, they might just not be hungry. Oh, yeah. Well, if you look at the next very verses at the end of that chapter, King Darius, what he does is he throws 
those in the lion's den and their families who tricked Daniel. And the scriptures tell us before they even hit the bottom of it, they were devoured. I would say they were pretty hungry. So so what can we learn? What can we learn about Daniel's faith and and how can we walk um, in in our our world today with that same kind of faith? Um, Here's a couple of things I want you to look at. First of all, Daniel's faith was definitely authentic. It it was an authentic faith. It wasn't fake. It wasn't put on. It's interesting when um, when you look at our currency today, most fakes are, are easily spotted. Um, and here's the reason why. The cloth-based paper is hard to come by. There's, there's a way that you look at, at fakes. And for those of you that deal with currency or work at a bank or have a business, you, you want to make sure that, that, that you're not getting takes. So there's a couple of ways that you can look for a fake. You can, you can quickly draw a line on each one with an iodine pen. And if the line is golden brown, you're good. If, if the line is a dark blue, it's a fake. You can hold it up to the light and look for watermarks. Um, with, with, with all these tests, only about 1% of all currency being circulated today is a fake. Um, and, and even the best counterfeits will eventually be found out. Even if the bad guys get the same kind of paper, they can't reproduce everything. For example, every $5 bill or higher has a plastic strip in it. For each denomination, it, it, it's in a different spot. Uh, there, it's so in the smaller bills, they can't be bleached and reprinted as larger bills under a black light. There's different colors that show up. The, the, the better the, the fakes, they may last a little longer in currency, but even eventually they will be seen by someone after getting a closer look. You see, a counterfeit is exposed through testing. A counterfeit is exposed through testing. And we may think, you know, man, Daniel had a great job with lots of power and he lived really well. Well, here's the difference. That wasn't the thing that controlled him. If Daniel was drunk with power, he would have compromised. And so he prayed, even though it meant he would lose everything. His position didn't change the way he lived it out before the Lord. Daniel's priorities were in the right, were were in perfect line with what God wanted for him. He wasn't drunk with power. He 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 didn't use his power to leverage, to leverage it against these other men. He could have probably easily done that. But he said, God, I'm just going to trust you through this, and I believe that you're going to get the glory. And so Daniel's faith was tested, and it was proved true by the way he trusted the Lord. The second thing I want you to see, and I I believe this is the most important thing here, is that Daniel's faith was, was lived out through humility. Daniel didn't use his authority as leverage to save himself. He depended on God. Daniel didn't boast about his faith. He lived it in humble service. Let me just let me read you a passage here in, in, in James chapter one. I, this is a great verse. James says this in verses two and four. He says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith." develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
And then in verse 12 it says, Blessed is the man who preserves under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. Daniel walked in this humility before the Lord, and it was seen by others how he trusted the Lord. And the third thing here is Daniel's faith, faith was the result of training. This is so important. I, I want you to catch this as we just kind of land the plane here. L- l- listen to this. I, I don't know how many of you ever went through, through boot camp, but, but for those of you that went through boot camp in the military, you'll understand what I mean by this. Um, when we lived in South Carolina, we weren't very far away from uh, Paris Island. And this is uh, boot camp for the, for, for the um, Marines. And um, if, if you're a Marine, you know what, what boot camp means. You know what it is. It's basically H-E-L double hockey sticks, right? You know it's, it's not fun, right? H-E double hockey sticks. What is that? Oh, okay, I get that. Okay, that makes sense, Pastor. It's crazy, right? For those of you that went through boot camp. And uh, I remember living close. I remember one time we were golfing near Paris Island, and um, I get ready to hit, hit a, a tee shot, and I'm in my backswing, and all of a sudden this big bomb, boom, went off. And I'm like, what was that? And they're like, oh, we're by uh, Paris Island. They're just letting bombs go off. I'm like, oh, that, that makes me feel much better. As long as they don't come over on the ninth hole, we'll be good, all right? Um, they were training. And the interesting thing about um, boot camp, especially those of you who've gone through it, uh, especially if you were in the Marines, every, every enlisted Marine has one thing in common. Boot camp. You got boot camp in common. There's only one person who likes boot camp. You know who that person is? The drill instructor. See, many people think boot camp is to, is to weed out the weak. But, but in reality, only about 10% don't make it. Or many think that boot camp is to break people, to break them. But here's the real purpose of boot camp. The purpose of boot camp is to prepare men and women. They're being prepared for what lies ahead. And I believe that Daniel went and what he went through prior to the lion's den prepared him to trust him for the lion's den. And here's the reason why I think many of us panic or many of us get, find this anxiety or, or something that goes in our, in our heart when, when something comes our way too early. When, when, when something comes our way that we're not sure of and our faith is tested, if there's this anxiety and I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What were we trusting all along? And I believe what Daniel did, what prepared him for the lines and is what he did every single day. And what did he do? He prayed. What did he do when he knew the edict was signed? What did he do? He knew right away that his fate was sealed. He knew that he was going to the lines and he knew there was no way around this. What did he do? Did he panic? They said, wait a minute, I'm one of the top officials in this country. Doesn't anybody care about these guys were trying to fix me? Let's bring this to court. Let's blah, 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 blah. What does he do? He prays. Like he always has done. He prays like he had always done. There's a consistency in his life. And so I believe that what Daniel went through prior to the lion's den prepared him to trust God. And I believe this is a perfect 
picture of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Perfect picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus was falsely accused. He faith, faced death and overcame it. He didn't fight back. He didn't fight back his accusers. And he offered forgiveness as he was on the cross. Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why could Jesus face what he did in the cross? Because he knew the plan of God that he had before him. And it wasn't going to be coming through resistance or becoming anxious. Jesus knew the plan of God that allowed him to take what the Lord had given him and to trust God by faith, to believe God that he ultimately is our deliver. Let me just finish with this passage in Philippians. And, and, and what Paul is saying here, he's saying that we need to be imitators of Christ and Christ's humility. And this is what Paul says. He goes, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look out for your own interests, but also the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same that of Jesus Christ, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every, every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under earth. And that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. So let's walk humbly before our God. And as we enter in this new season of, of our country, let's walk humbly before our God. And, and some of you, you might be here today and... You might feel like, man, pastor, my, my life feels like I'm in the lion's den all the time. I just feel like pressure and I feel like my faith is being tested all the time. Here's the thing that I would encourage you to do. Pair yourself by being consistent with your walk with God. You may think that Bible reading and prayer can be boring at times. But this is what, this is what um, encourages you. This is what establishes your faith. This is what allows you to believe that no matter what may come my way, God, I know that you're going to believe me and my faith is much deeper than any circumstance that will come my way. That's why Daniel could face it because his faith in God was much deeper than any lion's den, than any lion. Because... He actually had the Lion of Judah with him in the lion's den. And so my prayer for you is that you would realize that God is there for you all the time. It's us just relying on him and believing that God is not going to leave us or forsake us. So put your faith in him. God has a plan. And let's walk humbly before our God. Let's walk humbly before, um, you know, in our society. Let, let's be those that serve Let's guard our tongue from the things that we say. I listen, 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 listen. We all got our, our positions on things, right? Right? 
And we all think my position is the best position. And I want everybody to know about my position. Right? Can I just say one thing? Be careful. Do everything that leads to mutual edification and peace. That's all I'm going to say as your pastor. And I love you. I've been reading all your Facebook posts, okay? I love you, okay? Okay? You know what I'm talking about? So you're like, oh, man. I'm going to be nice. Let's walk humbly before our God. It's the gospel message that has to be paramount in our life. It's the way we walk in humility that has to be paramount in our life. It's our faith in God that has to be paramount in our lives. Let's do that. Daniel is a wonderful example. And the fulfillment of Daniel is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's why Paul says, imitate Jesus in the way you do this. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. And we ask God that you would just humble us before you. Let us realize that you are a faithful God. Thank you for the faithfulness that you showed towards Daniel. Before that great miracle of the lion's den, we see the faithfulness of, of Daniel just trusting you. You were, you were everything to him. And God, I pray that you would be everything to us. Thank you for how your love is so extravagant for us and how you love us, God. And I just pray that we would fall in love with you more and more each and every day and our faith would grow deeper and deeper, that our faith would be deeper than any circumstance or trial that would come our way, knowing that you are faithful to deliver, that you have a plan, that we can trust you. So thank you, God, for being God and for loving us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's just sing this in closing today. God bless you guys.